morning. You guys want to stand up and we'll start worshiping Jesus together this morning. We're glad you're all here. Looking forward to seeing the Holy Spirit move over us today.
might turn and say good morning to your neighbor and say hello. We're glad you're here. Super glad to see those eyes. Lori, I did want to acknowledge there is two couples sitting completely on the wrong side of the room. Oh, you, looky you there. You know who you are. <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> Though, I mean, we messed up that first song just because of you. <laughs> we are out of sync.
Can I get an amen? amen? Man, amazing stuff. You may be seated. So, uh, Pastor Mac talked last week about vulnerability, and the truth is, sometimes it's easier for me to be vulnerable up here than other places. But we, uh, just difficult. Do you have anything difficult going on? Got anything that seems just, it's never going to change? It's never going to get better? Never has gotten better? Never will? David writes in Psalm 42. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for You, O God. I long for You to show up. I long for You to fix things. I long for You to make it better how I want it. I long. I thirst for God the living God, for the active God, not the sleeping God. This is my commentary. I I didn't know if you knew that. Um, Where can I go and stand before Him? When can I go? Day and night I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? Is He going to show up? My heart is breaking. Is that I remember how it used to be when I walked among the crowds of worshipers and leading a great procession to the... house of God. I used to have it memorized, but not today. When I led a great procession procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. It used to be like this. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad and so tired and so defeated? I will put my hope in God. a choice. I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again because He's my Savior and my God. And I had a friend tell me the other day, Todd, the other choice you have besides hope is you're going to turn sick. You're going to turn cynical. You're going to turn angry. You're going to be defeated. Put your hope in God. There is hope in God. Do you believe that today? You don't have to. But I want to encourage you to put your hope in Him. Because without hope, life sucks. 
without hope in Him, life is going to defeat you. We need hope. Amen? Put your hope in Him. The good news is He has... There's a line in this next song, thank God that yesterday's gone. Do you hear that? Yesterday is gone. Hasta la vista. That's good news. In a thousand ways. Our hope, our hope is forward. It's a good David Crowder song. I don't smoke enough for this song. I've been held by my Savior. I felt fine from above. I've been down to the river. I ain't the same prodigal.
take a moment right now. You thank him. You thank him be that he is our hope. It's good news. He is worthy and can handle all our hopes. We talk to him. thank you that yesterday is gone. All the stupid choices, all the angry heart, all the days that we didn't trust or believe or put any hope anywhere but in ourselves. We're thankful that I've been washed by His blood. Come on.
so good to be able to sit in your presence. So good that we can actually sit and wait on you, Lord. You are always there before us. You've always paved the way. You've been waiting for us to get there. You waited for the Israelites to get there so you could open the sea. And Lord, you, you waited for them to get to the rock that you had already put water in. Lord, we know that you've been waiting here for us this morning. We know, Jesus, that you have something that you want to give us this morning. Through your word and through Pastor Matt, through something very personal in each of us, Jesus, you're working in our lives, and I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that this offering of praise has honored you. And Lord, I pray that you will come in and move even more in us anoint Pastor Matt this morning, Jesus. Use him to give us your word. Bind this congregation together in your word so we are as one in you. Father, we love you. Thank you for all you do for us, Jesus. We love you so much and we're waiting for you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I hope y'all had a good week. And I uh, wanted to tell you a couple things, just a few announcements. We have a baptism coming up. If you guys want to be baptized, we encourage you to do that, to show your faith publicly, especially now. It's super important. We've got information on the screens outside that you can um, look at, write down information. But it will be on September the 10th during the services. So you can contact McKinsey in the office this week. If you want to sign up for that, we would love to see this place flooded with people getting baptized. So remember that. Also, a note to have is um, in October, we're starting a new members class that will be each Sunday afternoon at 4.30 and probably an hour, hour and a half right in there somewhere. So if you'd like to become a member or find out more about that, you can talk to Pastor Matt after the service or during the week. You can send an email to the office. McKenzie will make sure he gets that. So we wanted to make sure you guys were noted on those things. And Pastor Matt's going to come and do the offering. Well, good morning, church. It is good to see you today. Glad, uh, man, what a great time of worship and song. Uh, I would like to say I can love seeing your bright, smiling faces. Ah. A little bit longer. We're going to get through this. <laughs> but it is so good to see your bright, shining eyes. And uh, glad you're with us. So today, um, we, we worship every Sunday with our tithes and offerings. It's part of what we do. We thank God for what he's given us. In the back, you will find a couple of plates as you leave today. They will be on tables back there. And there will be someone probably near them, with them. And, and I want to just uh, remind you, uh, of our point of worship and our time of worship and giving of our tithes and offerings. Can we just begin with a word of prayer today, praying over those as well as this service and the sermon. Dear God, we, we thank you for this opportunity to be here. We thank you, God, that you are in the midst of all that we are doing. We thank you, God, that your word uh, it will break through right to the point of whatever our need is this morning. And we pray, God, that you will help us to listen to you today. Lord, we give thanks in so many ways, but God, this morning we will give thanks by also giving back to you of our tithes and our offerings, saying thank you, God, for how you provide for us. You are our 
Lord, our Savior, our King, and our Provider. And we thank you for that today. Lord, we give all of this to you this morning in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Well, today... I want to also just kind of celebrate a little bit. I don't know if you noticed, but as you, you drove uh, down the road kind of behind our church building here, uh, our playground, has anyone seen that? It just looks great. It is beautiful. It has all the new uh, equipment on it. I've tried it all out. It works good. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the moss looks great. Nice, I think, six-foot fence all the way around it. Jeremy, is Jeremy and his family here today? Would you stand Jeremy was, go ahead, uh, he was in charge of this. Thank you. We have a card for you. And uh, it was great. It's great to see that. We want our community to know our kids are important to us. And, uh, and we're thankful for all that happens at our church. There's so many things that go on that behind the scenes. We, uh, just for all of you and for all of your work, we say thanks. Uh, well, today... As we begin, I want to just kind of just kind of do a recap. These first three weeks that I was here, the sermons that we we did together, and we heard from the Lord from a trusting in the God of the impossible was the first one. Keep in step with the Spirit, then total surrender, which is sanctification. All of those were pointing to God's work in us. That's what those were about. God's work in us. Then the next three weeks are, are you contagious and missional and also behind the mask, the power of vulnerability we spoke of last week and God just used me and used that in a different direction. But that was pointing to Jesus' work through us. First three weeks was Jesus' work in us. The next three weeks, Jesus' work through us. And now we are going to start to walk together through the book of James. You might say, well, why would you go to the book of James? You want, might want to open up right now or turn your computer on or your, your tablet or your whatever you use, your phone, but to James chapter 1. But we're going to begin and start working through the book of James because James points us to Jesus in real life. It's one thing to say, you know, well, there's Jesus working in me. There's another thing to say, well, Jesus will work through me. But we want to see Jesus and our community needs to see Jesus in real life. And so this practical gospel that James gives us is where the rubber meets the road. It asks, do people see Jesus in you on Monday through Saturday? It's simple. That's why I love this book. It's profound. It reveals what a genuine Christ-filled disciple looks like, even when no one is looking. If James were your boss, he would say things like this. The proof is in the pudding. He would say, the more you walk the walk, the less you have to talk. He would say, practice what, you're, what you preach. He'd say, let's put some shoe leather on our core values. James would be leery of any type of a beautiful, framed, decorated mission statement that would be on the church wall because he believes that Christian integrity only exists where our words and where our actions meet. John Calvin, a famous theologian, uh, he really wrestled in depth with the book of James. Martin Luther, the father of Protestant Reformation, is said to have wanted to rip James out of the Bible. <laughs> he wrote these words. James, his epistle, 
is really an epistle of straw compared to Paul and Peter's. For it has nothing of the nature of the gospel about it. Everyone has their critics. Even James, (laughs) all these years later. Uh, So who is this man who stirred up so much angst? Who is this man who stirred up so many strong opinions, even among theologians? Well, I want you to know, first and foremost, he is not the Apostle James, the son of Alphaeus. That was a different individual. This man, James, was the brother, or you might say more accurately, the half-brother of Jesus. Presumably the oldest, second only to Jesus. And and he has kind of this sordid history, and you're going to wonder, why am I giving you all this background on James in this book? But it's coming to a point. Be patient with me. It it kind of is this patchwork kind of uh, situation where we see where James is moving through his life as Jesus is uh, acting in his ministry, particularly those three last years of Jesus' life. Matthew 13, 55 kind of gives us our first glimpse of James. It just says there, and it's when Jesus was actually going back to his hometown and he, he was struggling there. As a matter of fact, even Jesus said, yeah, I, I, there's no honor for me in my hometown. And, and this kind of reveals a little more because they were saying to Jesus as he came back in verse 55 of Matthew 13, it says, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? I mean, they were just trying to bring, we know you, Jesus. They're kind of saying. And, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, aren't all his sisters with us? I mean, we get a picture of Jesus' family here in Matthew. We don't get that much that often when it comes to the early revelation of who James is. Early on, he's known as an antagonist to Jesus and an unbeliever as well. In John 7, 1 through 4, Jesus' brothers mock him. And in verse 5, it tells us the reason why they mock him. In verse 5, it says, For even his own brothers did not believe in him. This is towards the end of his ministry. This is about six months before his crucifixion when we read this. And this is after Jesus has walked on water. He's healed a man. He's fed 5,000 people. And His brother knew about this and so much more, and yet he still did not believe. Even after more than two years of miracles, James did not believe. And it would be rather hard to swallow the idea that the brother that you had grown up with, the brother that you played in the playground with, the brother that you did chores with, the brother you shared a bedroom with, that he is the son of of God. But after Christ's resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, and you're seeing this patchwork here, James shows up again. And it's because Jesus, it says in verse 7, appeared to James. He appeared to him and then to all the apostles. Jesus had a plan. He was investing He knew 
the direction that James would take. And immediately it says, where we, we see immediately after Jesus ascends into heaven, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we find James with all of the apostles. There's 120 people that were in the upper room. They were ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit and were filled with the Holy Spirit. He was with them, the men and the women there. The day the church begins in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And from that moment, he encounters Jesus, the risen Lord, from that moment he encounters him, we, we realize that James is a wholehearted, devoted servant of Jesus Christ and his church. We don't hear a whole lot more about him until it comes to the book of James, but there are oral traditions that were written down in the second century and uh, it's believed that uh, James was written around A.D. 40s, uh, and then he died in the 60s at some point. But after that, uh, there was a man by the name of Hegesippus. He considered himself, by the way, he would call himself Hegesippus the Nazarene, which I thought was interesting. But, but he records the following about James' death. He says, James the Just as he was called. He was also called James uh, uh, the uh, Old Camel Knees, is what they would call him, because he prayed so much that he had bumps and just calluses all over his knees. But he said, Hegesippus said, he was so well-respected that even the non-Christian Jews, that when, even by the non-Christian Jews, that when James tells them that Jesus is the Savior, some of the ruling class became believers. This worries the Jewish leaders who beg James to speak to the crowd. So the Jewish leaders take James to the summit of the temple and they took him up there where a crowd can see him and hear him and they cried out in a loud voice, we are all bound to obey you as you are just. Oh, they were buttering him up, of course. The people are confused and following the dead man named Jesus. Tell us about the crucified Jesus. And it, he writes that James calls out just as loudly, why do you ask about Jesus? He sits in heaven at the right hand of God and will return on the clouds of heaven. And right then, he writes, that many of the people are convinced then and there that Jesus is the resurrected Lord and start praising him on the spot. The things that, these, that the Jewish leaders were trying to do when they took him up to the top of the temple, it backfired on them. So they said, and I quote, Oh dear, the just man is confused himself, and they throw James off of the top of the temple, but he is not killed, so the leaders begin to stone him there as he is on the ground, and James does what he has always done, old camel knees, they called him. He kneels down and asks God, please forgive them. The stones continue to batter his body, and, and the, one of the priests runs up, it says, and he says, stop, what, what are you doing? The just man is praying for us. A launderer, known as a fuller at the time, but a launderer takes the club and he used it to beat the clothes, but he hurls it at James' head. And when the just one, it says, finally dies. This is James, the brother of Jesus. What experience, what wisdom, I mean, what strength, what depth, what insight, what love, and what a pedigree to have. Now I want you to look in verse 1 of chapter 1. and I want you to see how he introduces himself. In verse 1, 
of chapter 1, it says, James, a servant. I just want to start there. Just James, a servant. Think about those three words. You know who James is now. You understand what he's been through. You know what his life has been like from the beginning now. And then he introduces himself, not with, hey, I'm James, you know, the, the brother of Jesus. I'm not, J- not James, I've, I, you know, one of the you know, second best to the apostles. Not in that way. James, three words, a servant. In these three words, he confronts us with a powerful thought. We know who he is. We know his pedigree. But he says, hello, I'm James, a servant. And there is power behind those three words that beg this question, where do you, church, where do I, Pastor Matt, where do we find our identity? Where do we find our identity? It's common to get to know each other by asking, hey, what do you do? But here, James says, here's what I am. He said, I'm James. He says, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be interesting with you're getting to know someone new today and they said, hey, what do, you, what do you do? And they say, well, I'm a servant. And you're kind of scratching your head. I mean, well, what is your occupation? I, oh, that. Well, I'm a, I'm a teacher. But that's just my missional outpost. Do you hear me? I, I'm a, I'm a, what, I work in real estate, but that's just my missional outpost. I'm retired, but that's just my missional outpost. Where I am a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? Are you a servant? Believe it or not, whether you serve Jesus or not, you are a servant. You're serving something. You're serving somebody. You may want to say, well, oh, no, I, I'm all for me. I'm, it's, you know, well, I get that because some people, we don't have to ask them who they serve. We can see it all over the place. Amen? But I'm asking you today, and I believe that the Spirit is asking you today who do you serve? I think Bob Dylan put it very well. Maybe he put it best in a song called Gotta Serve Somebody. And he said these words, and the words of the song, there's many, many verses, but I'm only going to do one. It says, you may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barber shop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be someone's mistress. You may be someone's heir, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. He says in this song, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I don't know where Bob Dylan's heart is, but that's gospel, folks. You're going to have to serve somebody. James puts it right out in front. Hello, my name is James, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are hit with this, with this question. Who are you serving? 
Who am I serving? And, and, and he's writing to, it says to, you can see it there still in verse 1. He's writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, you see, this is a time of persecution. This is not an easy time to be a Christian. Not that it's ever easy to be a Christian, but it, it, this was certainly not easy. They were persecuted. They were being uh, just kind of singled out economically and in many other ways. And so they had fled from Jerusalem. And so he is speaking to those who are hurting, wondering, why God? What is, what is happening? And they're trying, they're new Christians, and they're trying to figure out how this faith in Jesus works when it collides with real life. And so before we can even begin to get past that first verse, that second verse hits us right square between the eyes. He says to us, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy. I listen to that, and I read that, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just getting past this understanding, but where do I find my dad? And then he said, but consider it pure joy. Have you ever been to one of those zero-entry pools where you just kind of, it's kind of like the beach, and you just kind of walk in, and yeah, it's just, you know, you're, you walk in, it's just that deep to begin with, and you have to go out 20 feet before it's up to your knees. You know, it's just one of those things that's designed to give this, Easy, stress-free, relaxing entrance into the pool. Uh, they're really popular, but when I was a kid, it was either the shallow end or it was the deep end, but not anymore. You see that happening, and, and they do it because people just don't normally like jumping in over their head, but entering into the book of James is no zero entry. It's no zero entry experience. We get to verse 2 and we're already over our head. Consider it pure joy. James is not saying that we should take, you know, we should try to pretend that trials are easy. He's not telling us to try to fake it till we make it. God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. He knows things aren't easy. And so trying to fool him is just truly a fool's game. Jesus, or excuse me, James is saying that we should have a different perspective, that we should look beyond the difficulty to the spiritual benefits, look beyond the temporal to the eternal, look beyond the immediate pain to the spiritual maturity. In verse 2, again, read together with you, it says there, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That when Todd was speaking earlier this morning and he was talking about our hope, and without hope, man, we just don't, we don't have, I mean, if we don't have hope, if we don't have our hope in Jesus, then we just, we just, we are bound to be cynical. We're bound to be defensive. We're bound to be angry. We're bound to be grumpy. We're bound to be critical. If we don't have hope in Jesus, then everything is lost. But we have hope in Jesus. And so when, when, we, when we get to this place and he's saying, you know what, consider it pure joy. And he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
And he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is good news because what it's revealing to you and to me is this. There is purpose in your pain. There is purpose in your pain. Let it grow you. Let it grow your faith. Let it grow your perseverance. Let it grow you into maturity, into completeness in Jesus Christ. But there is a common predicament that you're going to say, and I can hear it probably in your head right now. You're saying, I have this issue, though. There's a common predicament, though, for all of us. And this common problem is this, is that we've left who we used to be. We've left who we were to become who we now want to be in Jesus Christ. But our past is still chasing us. Have you ever felt that way? Your past still chasing you. It's still, it's still right there. Your problems still chase you. Your pain is it's chasing us, and hurt is chasing us, and disappointment is chasing us. But the purpose, what we have to grasp is that the purpose is in the chase. Listen to me, the purpose is in the chase. You see, either you're going to let whatever is chasing you define you, or you're going to let the one that you are chasing define who you are. And I don't know about you, but I am a God chaser, and I will be defined only by that. Not by the enemy chasing me from behind. I love what Jesus said when he said to Peter, and he wasn't Peter that he was angry about. He, he said when Peter was using words that were not of God, and, and, and he was telling him, you know, you can't do this. P Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because guess what? Whatever's behind you is not what you're chasing after. He was chasing after the Father. And I'm saying that we, as a church, need to get to the point where we say, you know, get behind us, Satan. We're not ch you're chasing after us, but we're chasing after God. There's a reason why that rearview mirror in your car is a lot smaller than the front windshield. You ever thought about that? There's a reason why it's that way. It's because the things that are behind you are not nearly as important as what's happening in front of you. And I want to tell you right now, God has a plan. There's even a purpose in your pain. Chase after him. Capture this image with me, if you would. Pharaoh is chasing the Israelites. They're being chased by the demons of slavery behind them. And then they find themselves literally between their devil and the deep Red Sea. And in that moment, their leader, Moses, has to make a decision, and he has to decide, are we going to be defined by what is chasing us, or are we going to be defined by what we are chasing after? And in that moment of anxiety and doubt, Moses speaks to the people, and he says, do not be afraid, for the Lord our God will fight for us. And the people were still kind of looking to him. Okay, well, what is he going to do? And he took their eyes, though. He took their eyes off of what was behind, and he put their eyes on the God that was leading them forward. That's what a good leader does. Next thing you know, he raises his hands, and they follow God across the deep red sea that was now dry. God provided, and the thing that we need to understand, folks, is there is 
purpose in the midst of our problems. And it always ends like this, God being glorified. Thousands of years later, we are glorifying God, not the one who is chasing us. Amen? Romans 8.28 tells us, if you want to turn there, Romans 8.28, verse 24, and it tells us this, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. The God that I serve, church, the God that you serve is up to something good. Even in the midst of the problems, the idea that we have from James here to count it all joy shouldn't seem new or foreign to us. It shouldn't seem like, well, this is, I just don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, even Jesus, when he was preaching on the side of a mountain in Matthew 5, and you can find it in verse 11, he says, blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Church, we need to begin to look beyond the immediate pain. You may say, well, you know what? And oh boy, you're gonna already probably thinking he's just, this is the wrong direction, pastor. Some of you might have watched a you know, national convention this week. Some of you may not have. Some of you may be thinking, you know what? I don't know where our nation is going to. It seems so fractured. It seems so divided. It seems, I mean, what we need on the platform is not more celebrities. We need more of Jesus. What we need on the platform is more of God's plan and more of God's will. I, I'm not talking parties. I don't care if you're a Democrat or I don't care if you are a Republican. Here's what I care about is if you are a Christian really following God's word and God's ways because then he's going to take care of the rest. Do you hear me? God, bring us the right person to lead our country. We need that. And we pray for whoever the next president is going to be. But let me tell you something. My hope is not in the next president. My hope is in Jesus. And I'm telling you this right now. I'm not voting for a savior. I've already made my decision. I don't know about you. So today, we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders and we see beyond the crazy to see that God has a purpose in this painful time. The God I serve is always up to something good. You might not get anything else out of this sermon today, but I want you to get this, that our God is able. Did you hear me? Our God is able. No matter what, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're going through, count it all joy. Why? Because our God is able.
That needs to be our perspective, church. In a different time, many years ago, in a different place, and I'm not going to use their names because I'm going to protect them, but I'm going to call this couple Joe and Jolene, make it easy for me. But I, I was working with them, and here in the midst of our church, this good couple that from all outward appearances, they, they love the Lord, things look perfect from the outside, good jobs, two kids, and there's a knock on my office door. And the knock was them coming to me and saying, my wife cheated on me with another woman in this church. And I was like, what? And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, all this craziness is... Oh my goodness. And the husband comes in and he's angry and he's, he's ticked and he's punching my, my file cabinet. Left a huge dent in there. The, the wife is there and she's just cold. I mean, she's just, just shaking. And, and this, this, what looked like a perfect family on the outside had been broken from the inside. I... I I was broken. I worked with them and I prayed with them, but it continued on the path of divorce. And the lawyer came in and said to me and to them, if you can get the mediation taken care of between you two and your pastor, boy, this would be a whole lot easier when we go to court. Would you be willing to do that, pastor? And everything inside of me was saying, no. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But I said, yes. We set up a time. It would be at the parsonage. Here's when. Here's how it will happen. He gave me the rest of the instructions, things to write down, questions to ask. And so that night came. The wife came in, and I'm telling you, she sat there at our table, and she just wept. She was sorry. She said, I'm, I'm sorry. I've asked forgiveness from God. She asked forgiveness from Jackie and I. She, she, she's, I just I feel awful. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I mean, her whole world was shattered, and she had screwed up. She made a really bad choice, but she was like, I, I would do anything to have another chance. Here comes her husband. And he comes walking in, and she just finishes up, and her, just, just, her, her face is just soaked with tears, and, and he's angry-looking. <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, this guy is a huge man. He's just a, a hawk of a man. He comes in, and he's angry. He's like, oh, great, I hope don't punch anything else, okay? Uh, but, but he says, Pastor, I need to talk to you, okay? He says, I need to talk to you outside, all right? So we go outside in the front yard, and, and he looks at me and he says, I don't love her. As a matter of fact, right now, I hate her, but I've been praying, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do you want me to proceed? He said, I heard what you told us to do. He said, I've been praying that way, and you're not going to guess, Pastor, where God led me. I was like, I, I have no idea. Where, where did he lead you? He led me to this book of Hosea. I've never read the book of Hosea before. And I said, oh, yeah, I know the book of Hosea. And uh, there's kids in here, so I won't go too deep with the book of Hosea. But here's the thing is 
God asked Hosea to marry a woman of the streets to teach Hosea how God's love is for his people. Do you hear me? And he said, I didn't even, I didn't know about this book. I've never read it before. And he said, in in the midst of this, I'm seeing Hosea, who was married to a woman who was cheating on him and who he had his hard time loving. And then he said, I felt like God was saying to me, I need to still love her. And he said, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't. But he said, I'm going to follow God. He says, God has brought to my mind my kids and my family. And Satan is trying to destroy us. And I'm not going to let it happen. And even though right now I can't hardly look her in the eye, this is the direction I'm going, Pastor. And we walked back in. I had a smile on my face. I don't know that he did. But I was like, thank you, Jesus. You see, when we sing songs like, oh, my hope is in Jesus, it sounds so cute and so fairy ish But I'm telling you what, when Jesus, when our faith meets reality, when Jesus steps in, here's what happens. Things are changed. And he's always up to something good. He's always, our God is able Today, that couple is happily married. We visit them whenever we are in that area. They have two kids. One of them is now working as a missionary. The other young man is solid and strong. And the Lord, and here's the reason why, because God intervened, and a man put aside his free will and said, your will be done not mine. God was helping him see beyond the immediate pain to a heaven-sent gain. Two whole children, one a missionary, a whole marriage, both today now active in their church. I tell you what, we as a church have to have a different perspective. Lord, give us a godly vision for our families, for our communities, for our nation, for our job places, We need more of the one who is able. I was told this week, I have way more than I needed in here. And Mackenzie did exactly what I told her to do, by the way. (laughs) But I was told an illustration this week, and and it was was a cup, and this is not clear, but you're going to have to trust me, it's, it's up here full. And, And they said, you know, an optimist would say, and I'm going to get started, that the cup is half full. And then they said, a pessimist would say that the cup is half empty. But then the individual took this cup and they they drank it. And said, the realist just drinks the cup. But here's what I want to tell you is that after the optimist and the pessimist and the realists are done with their opinions, Jesus comes and just smashes it and says, you know what? I've got something better in mind. Our God is... Did I get your attention? Okay, good. (laughs) Wow. Jesus... We got to have our hope in him. He's able. He is our hope. 
He is our answer. Give us the faith of Job, Lord. In Job 13, 15, he said these words, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I think Job was exercising a divine perspective. And James is asking the same thing of us. The right perspective is this, that God is able. This week I was mountain biking with Jerry. And uh, that's what I do between Sunday mornings. I work an hour on Sunday, and then I just mountain bike the rest of the week. And... and, uh, with Jerry, and, and so I, I go out with him early in the morning, and I haven't ridden, I mean really ridden the trail in like three years, and I was finding myself, I was all tense, and I was just looking right there in front of me, and I fell over, like going a half a mile an hour, just clunk, you know, we have this clip, this, you know, the pedals on, and I couldn't get out of the pedal, and I just, 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 but it was fear that was causing me to fall, just like Peter, you know, when he was coming from the boat, <laughs> It it, it was that perspective, the wrong perspective. But perspective, when I began to look forward and down the trail a ways to the thing that I am chasing after, it gave me hope and it gave me confidence. And you might say, well, how do we get this perspective through the power of the Holy Spirit, church? That's why the foundation of what I spoke about with sanctification is so important. We need to have the power of the Holy Spirit that we work through. Paul and Barnabas, they, they shared the gospel in a town in Antioch, and there were many Jews and Gentiles who began to follow after them. And, and after all of that, and they got thrown out even after such a great following in in verse 52, it tells us that, that after they left, the believers that were left there, the brand new believers, they were filled with joy, and it says they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, here's the thing, is most of us would think as they're riding off into the sunset, there would be this weeping, and I can't believe they're leaving us. No, they were filled with joy and the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, a godly perspective begins by being filled with the Spirit of God. There are too many grumpy, cantankerous, life-sucking Christians in the world. Oh, that should have gotten an amen. I mean, if they would just quit trying to do it in their own strength and instead step into the power of the Spirit, it would be life-changing, not only for them, but for everyone around them. I mean, when I was going back to, I told you, all I do during the week is just ride. And so I was riding again with Jerry. And, and same ride actually, but he was kind enough to let me lend me his e-bike. It's an electric bike because I'm so out of shape that I just couldn't do and keep up with them on my own. And it was wonderful. I was, I was going up hills that I could have never gone up before. I mean, just cruising up them. It had first, second, and third, and I had to pedal because I had to be a part of the process. If I didn't pedal, it wouldn't go. But when I pedaled, it added power to my pedal. It was awesome. And so we're doing these things, and there was a trail cam while we were out there on the trail, and it picked up this picture, and, and here's the picture. That's me in the front with a big smile. That's Jerry in the back. He's kind of human and angry and full of angst, and, 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 and Jerry is angry because he's trying to do it in his own strength, and he can't keep up with me because I've got power in my pedals. Is Jerry here today? He doesn't even know what I'm doing behind his back. I'm so glad 
Jesus came to earth to show us an eternal perspective. That's how he, that's how James and how he, our Lord Jesus, counted it all joy. It wasn't easy for him to give up his heavenly throne. It wasn't easy. Look in Philippians chapter 2. You can find the whole thing there. But it was not easy for him to leave it all and become a servant for us. But I believe that even though it wasn't easy, he did it all in joy. He could see your face. He could see my face. And he determined that it was worth his position. He determined it was worth his glory. He determined it was worth his very life to give you and I an opportunity to say, Jesus, I accept this gift of eternal life to the forgiveness of sins. In exchange, we go to a place where there's no sickness, there's no pandemics, there's no masks, there's no hatred, there's no injustice, there's no pain, there's no angst, there's no striving, and lies no longer exist. We get to live in paradise because he gave up his position for the joy of the cross. Have you ever heard of that before? And the joy in the cross was you. You were the joy, you were his joy in the cross. We need to reclaim our joy in the Lord, church. Many of us know that phrase as a song, but there's a story when Jerusalem was being rebuilt and Nehemiah goes to the people and some of them were just full of just all kinds of emotions and he said, don't weep. He said, don't weep. Don't be dejected. Don't be sad because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know a much better way to restore your joy than knowing that you are loved by the God and the creator of this universe. He was willing to lay down his life for you in the hopes that you would accept his gift of salvation and forgiveness. It was like Jesus was saying, if I were, betting, if I were a betting man, I would bet on you. Jesus sat at a table and he essentially said, I would be willing to move heaven and earth just to have a relationship with you. I would be willing to walk through hell for you. I would be willing to give up my body. I would be willing to shed my blood for the chance to have real relationship, real communion with you. Today, we take time to remember. Hopefully, you all have a, a cup that was pre done it has a wafer in the top and the juice in the bottom if not there's some in the back you can just raise your hand and somebody will probably be willing to bring it to you as well we have some hands raised here so if we'd be willing to bring those out but but there was jesus and he's at this table and he's he's saying i would give up my body and my blood for the chance to have real relationship real communion with you just keep your hands up they're getting to you. And today, we're going to take time to remember that the joy of the Lord, the joy of the cross, is our strength. Through tears, maybe. Through repentance, yes. Through thanks, through rejoicing, maybe Maybe today there's even a prodigal that is ready to come home. 
I can't think of a better time or a better place than at the table of communion to say, Jesus, forgive me. I want your gift of salvation. I don't want to live the way that I have been living. I need that joy that James is speaking of. I can't think of a better place right now if you've just found yourself just backsliding where you just have felt like there's no hope, where you become cynical, where you become dejected, to come to the table right now and say, I'm recommitting my life to you, Jesus. I can't think of a better place right now. We have a prayer team that would be willing and they're ready. They're standing by right now to pray for you. If anybody wanted to come to the altar, you could just kind of glance their way and they would, they would pray with you. But right now, what's most important is that your focus is on Jesus. As we take time to remember. As you're looking at this cup, I want you to just, I'm going to give you some instructions because if you don't do this right, it's going to be frustrating so consider this your chance to do it this in the right power and not in your power there's a little piece of cellophane that's over top of that wafer and it's not the purple part it's clear and if you pull on it first that wafer will come right out you don't even have to pull it the whole way off that wafer will come off and come out and you can just take it set it to the side and then when it comes time you can pull that more sturdy tab and pull it back and that reveals the the juice that we will drink together as well. I want you to take time to reflect this morning. Is the joy of the Lord truly your strength? And, And I'm going to give you a moment just to pray altar you can make your seat your place where you pray god is really concerned most of all right now about the posture of your heart are you bow before him let's take a few moments search us O lord reveal anything within us any impurities within us god reveal anything in us lord that is not of you a prayer that's 
it's near and dear to your heart. I'm, I'm sure of it. It's near and dear to mine. And I want to ask that you would stand with me as we pray this prayer together called the Lord's Prayer. You can close your eyes or you can remain with them open, but right now I want you to speak to your Heavenly Father. It begins with those words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you've gotten that wafer out, you can just hold it before you. This is the body, a symbol, the representation of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Broken for you, preserving you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this and remember that Christ died for you thankful. After you peel back that next cover, just place that before you, just hold it there before you. You might just want to look at this representation. It's the representation of Christ's blood that was shed for you. It was shed in joy because he saw you. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. Preserve you blameless into everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending us your son. Thank you for being willing to give to the point of sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for us. Thank you, Lord, for seeing my face and seeing our faces and saying, It's worth it. I count it all joy. I counted all joy for Luis, and I counted all joy for Jean, and I counted all joy for Bernard, and I counted all joy for Jim, and I counted all joy for Greg, and I counted all joy for Barbara, and I counted all joy. I counted joy, and we thank you, God, that you saw us, and you said, I will count it all joy. We thank you for your grace that we don't deserve is freely given. And today before you, we bow our heads, our hearts. I surrender. We surrender all to you, Lord. Thank you for this joy. So we close in a song together, and I'll close this with a word of prayer.
glad you came to church today. Amen. It's been good to hear from the Lord. I know you don't come here for me. I don't either. It's good to hear from God. So today, I, I'm going to close this, but I want to tell you also, I would like to meet you. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, if you're new here, you know, if you would meet me over here, uh, our leadership pastor, Pastor Greg, will be with me there as well. But, but uh, Todd reminded me, he's like, Pastor, everybody's new to you. <laughs> so just come on up, and if you'd like to just introduce yourself to me, I would love to get to know you and, uh, and meet you. And I'm thankful to say the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, and may he be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You are dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ today. I will be yours, Lord. I will be yours for all my life. I will be yours. So oh.